0: Welcome to week 10 of our grandparent Bible study. Today we'll be uh, looking at the book of Esther. We'll start with chapter 2, verses 5 and 7. There was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, and Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is, Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So we're looking, uh, we'll be looking today at Artaxerxes, the grandson of Mordecai, and how being used of God is in unseen ways. So we're first looking at the adopted grandfather Mordecai, the mother Esther, father Xerxes, and the grandson Artaxerxes. You should have an outline before you as you're listening to this podcast labeled Week 10, Artaxerxes, Grandson of Mordecai, Being Used of God in Unseen Ways. What we'll do is we'll talk a little bit and then we'll go back in and fill in our outline. That way you won't have to try to keep up with where we are in the outline. We'll stop and go back and fill it in as we go. So the Bible book of Esther is a dramatic account, which can give us insight into God's special and purposeful plan for our lives. The story gives us eight powerful lessons about courage, divine timing, and God's supreme love. All right, let's go to our outline and and start by filling in the first uh, few blanks. The Bible book of Esther is a dramatic account, which can give us insight into God's special, purposeful plan for and purposeful plan for our lives. The story gives us lessons about courage, divine timing, and God's supreme love. As scripture reveals, Esther is a Jewish woman living in Persia, which is modern-day Iran, and reared by her cousin Mordecai. She was taken to the king of the Persian Empire to become a part of his harem, but because there was something special about Esther, he made her queen. Mordecai, however, didn't tell the king about a major detail, Esther's Jewish heritage. We can imagine that Esther was a gorgeous woman with flawless olive skin and a magnetic personality. She charmed King Xerxes so much that after deposing his prior queen, Vashti, he could have chosen any woman he wanted, but he chose Esther. Of course, there's an evil uh, component and an evil man in the story. Haman is a vengeful and egotistical advisor to the king. He hated Mordecai for refusing to bow down to him, so he plotted to destroy the Jewish people. Okay, let's go back to our outline. Mordecai didn't tell King Xerxes about a major detail, Esther's Jewish heritage. Haman, a vengeful and egotistical advisor to the king, hated Mordecai for refusing to bow down to him, so he plotted to kill the Jewish people. In Esther chapter 3, verse 8, Haman told the king that, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom whose customs are different from those of all other people and who do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. The king gave Haman the authority to handle the fate of the Jewish people in return. Haman announced a government issued an edict of genocide. What could the queen do for her people? The king had not requested her presence in a month. Did his affection for her wane? Was she a powerless partner? Of all the Jews, only Esther had access to the king. Mordecai persuaded Esther to speak to the king on behalf of the Jewish people, reminding of her her unique place in history and that silence was not an option. In one of the most poetic Bible passages, Mordecai speaks of God's purposeful timing in Esther, chapter 4, verse 14. Who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. In other words, Mordecai lets Esther know that even her outer beauty was for a reason and would not go to waste. Esther knew, of course, that going to the king unsolicited could be her death sentence. Anyone who came into the king's presence without being summoned could be executed. So what does she do? Before making a life or death decision, she calls for the Jewish people to join her on a three-day fast and prayer. Following the fast and prayer, she put on her best royal robes, approached the king, and told him of Haman's plot against her people. The Jewish people were saved, Haman was hanged on the same gallows that had been prepared for Mordecai, and Esther received Haman's estate. This dramatic unfolding of events moves like a novel and played like a great chess game that shows us at least eight life lessons that we will explore in a few minutes. Okay, let's go back to our outline and fill in a couple of blanks. Of all the Jews, only Esther had access to the king. Anyone that came to the king uninvited could be executed. Before approaching the king, Esther called for the Jewish people to join her for a three-day fast and prayer. There is no real proof that Artaxerxes was Esther's son. It makes us wonder why that information is not revealed in secular history or in the Bible. One might assume that the hidden hand of God was at work by it not being clear in secular history if Artaxerxes was the son of Esther and Xerxes. God doesn't reveal all details of his plan, but lets the plan unfold for his purposes and glory. If everyone knew everything God was doing, they might try to become a Christian for the wrong reasons. Let's go to our outline again and fill in a few more blanks. The hidden hand of God was at work by it not being clear in secular history if Artaxerxes was the son of Esther and Xerxes. If everyone knew everything God was doing, they might try to become a Christian for the wrong reasons. Artaxerxes ruled Persia from 464 B.C. to 423 B.C. Artaxerxes chose a cupbearer that he knew would be loyal to him because of being a Jewish brother. His cupbearer was Nehemiah, he was a Jewish person that held an influential position. Nehemiah's greatest passion was Jerusalem. We'll talk some more about Nehemiah in a few minutes. Artaxerxes helped rebuild Jerusalem by two things. He granted Nehemiah a letter of authority. He gave a letter to Aspa, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give timber to make beams for the gates. Even though Artaxerxes was not recognized as a Jew, his influence continued to bless the Jewish people throughout the region. When King Artaxerxes gave the command to reestablish the walls of Jerusalem, the prophetic clock started ticking. This is the Daniel 9.25 prophecy that establishes the timeline for when the Messiah will be crucified and then raised from the dead. For those of us that love delving into prophecy, there are two great books, one by Bryant Wright, The Stage is Set, and one by Michael Youssef, the pastor of the Church of the Apostles, and his book is called The Daniel Prophecy. Let's go back and talk a little more about Nehemiah in light of our theme today of God having specific plans for our lives. God put Nehemiah in a very influential place as King Artaxerxes' cupbearer. When God wants to accomplish your work, he always prepares his workers and puts them in the right place at the right time. Okay, let's go back to our outline and fill out a, um, a few more things. Artaxerxes helped rebuild Jerusalem by two things. He granted Nehemiah a letter of authority. He gave the letter to Aspah, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give timber to make beams for the gates. Even though Artaxerxes was not recognized as a Jew, his influence continued to bless the Jewish people throughout his reign. When King Artaxerxes gave the command to reestablish the walls of Jerusalem, the prophetic clock started ticking. The following are attributes of Nehemiah that made him able to accomplish God's plan for his life. On your outline, you have four uh, blanks where you can fill in the four attributes, and we'll go through them one at a time. And as we're going through them, let's think about how the attributes that Nehemiah had that made him able to accomplish God's plan for his life, how are these attributes applicable to our role as pursuing intentional Christian grandparenting as well as our role today as we are in a different time uh, dealing with the pandemic and how do we stay connected And how do we really accomplish God's plan for our lives during this time? So the first attribute is Nehemiah cared enough to ask. He wanted to know about Jerusalem and what was happening there. Are we like Nehemiah? Do we want the truth and facts of situations? Or would we rather just stay in the dark so we aren't obligated to do something about it? The second is Nehemiah is... In Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse 4, and it tells us that he cared enough to weep. This was a sign of strength and compassion. When God puts a burden on our hearts like he did Nehemiah, we should try not to escape it because if we do, we may miss out on blessings God has planned for us. Nehemiah begins with great affliction, but before the end of the book, there is great joy. Psalm thirty-five, chapter 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Our tears water the seeds of providence, God's divine plan and guidance, that God has planted in our path, and without our tears, those seeds could never grow and produce fruit. The third attribute for Nehemiah was that Nehemiah cared enough to pray. He was a prayer warrior. He knew he was being called by God to help Jerusalem build the wall, but he prayed and fasted so God's plan could be revealed. Do we care enough to pray about all of our decisions? Do we mainly pray when we're in trouble and have already tried our own way of doing things? The fourth attribute is that Nehemiah cared enough to volunteer. He didn't just talk about what needed to be done, but he got involved with the work. What kind of kingdom building work are we involved in that will be part of building the legacy for our grandchildren? We will end our podcast today with the eight life lessons that we can learn from the story of Esther. So if you'll turn your outline over and just list these eight, and then you'll have in front of you um, the handout that gives the details of the eight lessons. And we will use these eight lessons on Wednesday when we have our Zoom meeting together. Lesson one God has a special plan for our lives. Esther was placed in a royal position, not by chance, but for a purpose. Proverbs sixteen nine in his heart a man plans his course but the Lord determines his steps. God didn't make a mistake where he has us today. Maybe we spend too long in our life trying to figure out where God wants us to be or wishing we were somewhere else, instead of just allowing God to do something with our lives where we are while we're waiting for more to come. Lesson 2 The time to follow God's plan is now. Mordecai nailed it when he said, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to a royal palace for such a time as this. That's in Esther chapter four, verse 14. When Esther called the Jews together to fast and pray, they did not know for sure what Esther was supposed to do, but they knew God wanted to save their people. There will be times in our lives when we have gathered all the information we can. We have prayed as well as we know how, and we have sought godly counsel. Whatever we are doing is not sinful, but there is something inside of us that's still not sure. We can sleep on it. Esther waited three days, but at some point we just have to muster the courage to move forward. Without all the answers, are we ready to step out and walk by faith? We should try not to be afraid to allow God to determine the outcome. Lesson number three, we are given divine moments to alter our circumstances. As believers, we believe there are not such things as accidents or coincidences. God's timing is providential. Esther's divine moment of providence came by accepting her responsibility to go to the king However, Mordecai was clear when he said to Esther that she could be the one who saved the people or not. God will use us only if we are ready, or he will find someone else. Lesson four, we must stand with courage. I will go the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. That's Esther chapter four, verse 16. Esther, willing to die to save her people, sometimes we must stand in courage, even when it's not popular to do so, and risk it all. Lesson 5. Fasting and praying brings clarity and hope for deliverance. God is not mentioned in the book of Esther, not even once, but Esther was clear that in this particular situation, a heavenly response was needed for an earthly situation. Esther needed direction. When we need God's grace, fasting and prayer opens the portals for spiritual growth, removes distraction, and places us on a path to humility. Lesson six, God demands obedience. Esther's obedience saved God's people from genocide. The reality is that Esther didn't know what would happen when she approached the king. She acted in obedience and by doing so, she saved a nation and received the best. Lesson number seven, God uses everything and everybody for his divine purpose. No part of our lives is untouched. God is in control of every aspect, whether we want him to be or not. And there is nothing that is subject to him. There is nothing that is not subject to him. Hebrews 2 verse 8. And the best thing we can do for our lives is to search and surrender to his will. Lesson number eight. Trusting in God completely brings great rewards. Esther chapter 8 verse 17. In every province and in every city. Wherever the edict of the king went, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebrating, and many of the people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. Esther saved a nation. Her obedience saved God's people from destruction. The reward for obedience was even better than expected. Esther went before the king, prepared for the worst case scenario, and she got the very best. Many people became followers of God. The people were inspired by the faith of one woman and one man that everything changed in that nation. It will always prove profitable in the long run to obey God. When others see us living in radical obedience, obedience that makes no sense, they'll want some of what we have. The world around us is looking for answers, trying to figure out how to make life work. We may not have all the answers, but we know about a God who does. Had we been able to pursue this activity in class with the eight lessons from Esther, from the story of Esther, we would have had these on puzzle pieces and looked at them one at a time, and then we would have put them together as table groups, and after putting them together, we would have turned the paper over, and on the other side, we would have had a message that was revealed to us, and this is the message, God has a perfect plan for us. He never does it all at once, just step by step, because He wants to teach us to walk by faith, not by sight. Thank you for joining this podcast today, and I look forward to us having a group time together on Wednesday as we have our Zoom meeting at our regular scheduled class time at 930. Looking forward to meeting with you then. Thank you.